0: A fox finds safety in the arms of her lover. Two parent rats seek a bride for their daughter of grand status. A mother searches for her son. And two cats deeply in love. Welcome listeners, and today I have for you four Japanese tales from Old World Japan. Legends of the Land of the Gods. Inside the book is also a lovely quote. The spirit of Japan is as the fragrance of the wild cherry blossom in the dawn of the rising sun. And with that note to lead us in, turn up the sound, get comfy, and enjoy some very old Japanese tales. The Willow of Mukochima Not far from Matsui, the great city of the province of the gods. There once dwelt a widow and her son. Their wooden heart looked upon the Shinji Lake, set in a framework of mountain peaks. Ayame was true to the old religion, the worship of the descendants of Izanagi and Izanami. Long ere the sun rose by the chain of hills, she was up and with Umawaki's hand clasped closely in her own, went down to the verge of the lake. First, they laid their faces in the cool water, then, turning towards the east, they clapped their hands four times and saluted the sun. Konnichi-sama! All hail to thee, Daymaker! Shine and bring joy to the palace, place of the issuing of clouds. Then, having turned towards the west, mother and son blessed the holy, immemorial shrine of Kizuki. Towards the north and the south, They turned and prayed to the gods, unto each one who dwell in the blue plain of high heaven. Umewaki's father had been dead many years, and the love of the mother was centered upon her son. He was in the open air from sunrise to nightfall, sometimes by Ayami's side, sometimes alone, watching the heron or the crane, or listening to the sweet call of the Yamabato, the hut was in a remote spot, but Ayame felt that her son was safe in the keeping of the good gods. It was a beautiful summer morning. Ayame and Umawaki awakened soon after dawn. Hand in hand, they went to the shore of Lake Shinji. It still slept beneath the faintly tinged haze. The Lady of Fire had not whispered of her approach to the soft mists that veiled the hills. Mother and son waited patiently. As the daymaker appeared, they cried, konichi sama great goddess, shine upon thy land. Give it beauty and peace and joy. Then mother and son returned to the hut. Ayame plied her shuttle and Umawaki left her to wander in the woods. Noon came. My boy has met some woodcutter. He talks with him in the shade of the pine trees, she thought. As the evening drew on, she said, He is with little Kime, his playmate, but I shall soon hear his soft footsteps. Night fell. Once only has he been so late, when he went to Matsue with the good Shijo. She looked through the paper window, and then stepped out. The hills cast a mysterious shadow on the surface of the lake. Still, there was no sign of Umewaki. His mother called his name. No response came save the echo of her own voice. Now she searched far and near. To every peasant she put the question, Have you seen my umewaki? But she always received the same answer. At last she returned home, weary. He may be there waiting waiting for me, she thought. It was midnight. The hut was empty. Ayame was heavy at heart, and as she lay upon her mat, she wept bitterly, and cried to the gods to give back her son. So the night passed. In the morning, she learned that a band of robbers had been seen among the mountains. Poor Umawaki had, in truth, been stolen by the robbers. He was watched night and day, and had no chance of escape. From town to town they travelled, through strange villages where the name of Buddha was upon the lips of the people, across great plains unsheltered by mountains. The summer passed, and autumn came. Still the men would not let go of Umewaki. They treated him cruelly, and he began to pine away. Then the robbers knew that he was of no use to them. As they neared Yedo, they left him, faint and weary, on the roadside. A kind man of Mukuchima found the poor little fellow and carried him to his home. But Umewaki had not long to live. On the fifteenth day of the third month, the day sacred to the awakening of the spring, he opened his eyes and called to the good woman who tended him. Tell my dear mother that I love her and would stay with her but the the Lady of the the Great great Light calls me, and I must obey. Ayame had left her quiet hut by the lake of Shinji to follow the men who had stolen her son. The autumn and the winter had gone by, and still she persevered. As she passed through Mukochima, she heard that a poor boy was dead, and soon found out that it was her son. She went to the house where he had been cared for and the woman gave her Umawaki's message. In the evening, when all was quiet, Ayami crept to the graveside of her child. Near it, a sacred willow was planted. The slender tree moved in the wind. There was a whispered sound, the voice of Umawaki speaking softly to his mother from his place of rest. She was happy. Every evening, she came to listen to the sighing of the willow, Every evening she lay down happy to have spoken to her son. On the fifteenth day of the third month, the day of the awakening of the spring, many pilgrims visit the resting place of Umewaki. If it rains on that day, the people say Umewaki weeps. The willow is under the protection of the gods. Storm and rain can do it no harm. The Love of the Snow White Fox In Izumo, the province of the gods, are many foxes. There are the wicked Ninko, in league with the Oni, that prowl about at nightfall and carry away the souls of little children. He robs the poor man of his rice and millet, and bewitches the maidens who cross his path. There, too, is his enemy, the Inari Fox, who is kind of heart. The Inari loves the children and warns the anxious mothers when Ninko is near. He guards the store of the peasant and comes to the aid of maidens in distress. Many centuries ago, there lived a young Inari fox. She was snow-white and her eyes were keen and intelligent. She was beloved by all the good people for miles around, they were glad if, in the evening, she knocked softly with her tail against the window of their hut. When she entered, she would play with the children, eat off their humble fare, and then trot away. The god Inari protected those who were kind to her. The Ninko foxes hated her. There were hunters in the country of Izumo who thirsted for the blood of the beautiful white fox. Once or twice, She nearly lost her life at the hands of these cruel men. One summer afternoon, she was frisking about in the woods with some young fox friends. When two men caught sight of her, they were fleet of foot and had dogs by their side. Off ran the white fox. The men uttered an excited cry and gave chase. Instead of going towards the open plain, she made for the temple of Inari, Yojin. There surely I will find a safe refuge from my pursuers she thought. Now Yaschima, a young prince of the noble house of Abe, was in that temple deep in meditation. The white fox, whose strength was almost spent, ran fearlessly up to him and took refuge beneath the thick folds of his robe. Yaschima was moved with pity, and did all in his power to soothe the poor frightened creature. He said, I will protect you, little one. You have nothing to fear. The fox looked up at him, and seemed to understand. She ceased to tremble. Then the prince went to the door of the great temple. Two men hastened up to him and asked if he had seen a pure white fox. It, it must have, have run into in the, the temple, temple of Anari. We would we have, have its to blood to cure the sickness of one of our family. But Yashima, faithful to his promise, answered, I have, have been, been in the, the temple praying to the, the good, god, good god, but, but I can tell, can tell you nothing, nothing of, the of the fox. fox. The men were about to leave him when, behind his robe, they spied a white bushy tail. Fiercely, they demanded that he should stand aside. The prince firmly refused, but intent on their prey, the men attacked him, and he was obliged to draw his sword in self-defense. At this moment, Yashima's father, a brave old man, came up. He rushed upon the enemies of his son, but a deadly blow, which Yashima could not avert, struck him down. Then the young prince was overcome with wrath. And with two mighty strokes, he felled his adversaries to the ground. The loss of his beloved father filled Yoshima with grief. He did not break out into loud lamentations, for the sorrow lay too near his heart. Then a sweet song fell on his ear. It came from the temple. As he re-entered the sacred building, a beautiful maiden stood before him. She turned and saw that he was in deep trouble. The prince told her of the snow-white fox, and the cruel hunters, and the death of his father, whom he loved. The maiden spoke tender words of sympathy. Her voice was so soft and sweet that the sound brought comfort to him. When Yashima learned that the maiden was true, that her heart was as pure and beautiful as her face, he loved her and asked her to be his bride. She replied very gently. I already love you. I know that you are good and brave. And I would solace you for the loss of your father. They were wed. Yashima did not forget the death of his father. But he remembered that his beautiful wife had then been given to him. For some time they lived happily together. The days passed swiftly. Yashima ruled his people wisely and his fair princess was ever by his side. Every morning they went to the temple and thanked the good god Inari for the joy that had come to them. Now a son was born to the prince and princess. They gave him the name of Saime. Thereafter the princess became sorely troubled. She sat alone for hours, and tears sprang to her eyes when Yashime asked her the cause of her sorrow. One day she took his hand and said, "'Our life has been very beautiful.' I have given you a son to be with you always. The god Inari now tells me that I must leave you. He will guard you as you guarded me from the hunters at the door of the great temple. I am none other than the snow white fox whose life you saved. Once more she looked into his eyes and then without a word, she was gone. Yaschime and Saime lived long in the province of the gods. They were greatly beloved but the snow-white fox was seen no more. Nidzumi. In the central land of Reed Plains dwelt two rats. Their home was in a lonely farmstead surrounded by rice fields. Here they lived happily for so many years that the other rats in the district, who had constantly to change their quarters, believed that their neighbors were under the special protection of Fukuruku Jin one of their seven gods of happiness and the patron of long life. These rats had a large family of children. Every summer day, they led the little ones into the rice fields where, under the shelter of the waving stalks, the young rats learned the history and cunning of their people. When work was done, they would scamper away and play with their friends until it was time to return home. The most beautiful of these children was Nezumi, the pride of her parents' heart. She was truly a lovely little creature, with sleek silvery skin, bright intelligent eyes, tiny upstanding ears, and pearly white teeth. It seemed to the fond father and mother that no one was great enough to marry their daughter, but after much pondering, they decided that the most powerful being in the whole universe should be their son-in-law. The parents discussed the weighty question with a trusted neighbor who said, If you would wed your daughter to the most powerful being in the universe, you must ask the sun to marry her, for his empire knows no bounds. How they mounted through the skies, no rat can tell. The sun gave them audience and listened graciously as they said, We would give you our daughter to wife. He smiled and rejoined.
1: Your daughter is indeed beautiful, and I thank you for coming so far to offer her to me. But tell me, why have you chosen me out of all the world?
0: The rats made answer. We would marry Anazumi to the mightiest being, and you alone wield worldwide sway. Then the son replied,
1: Truly my kingdom is vast,
0: but of times...
1: When I would illuminate the world, a cloud floats by and covers me. I cannot pierce the cloud, therefore you must go to him if your wish is to be attained."
0: In no way discouraged, the rats left the sun and came to a cloud as he rested after a flight through the air. The cloud received them less cordial than the sun and replied to the offer with a look of mischief in his tusky eyes. You are mistaken if you think I'm the most powerful being. It is true that I sometimes hide the sun, but I cannot withstand the force of the wind. When he begins to blow, I am driven away and torn in pieces. My strength is not equal to the power of the wind." A little saddened, the rats, intent on their daughter's future prosperity, waylaid the wind as he swept through a pine forest. He was about to awaken the plain beyond to stir the grass and the flowers into motion. The two anxious parents made known their mission. This was the whispered reply of the wind. It is true that I have strength to drive away the clouds, but I am powerless against the wall which men build to keep me back. You must go to him if you would have the mightiest being in the world for your son-in-law. Indeed, I am not so mighty as the wall." The rats, still persistent to their quest, came to the wall and told their story. The wall answered,
1: True. I can withstand the wind, but the rat undermines me, and makes holes through my very heart. To him you must go, if you would wed your daughter to the most powerful being in the world.
0: I cannot overcome the rat. And now the parent rats returned to their home in the farmstead. Nedzumi, their beautiful daughter with the silken coat and sparkling eyes, rejoiced when she heard she was to marry one of her own people, for her heart had already been given to a playfellow of the rice fields. They were married and lived for many years as king and queen of the rat world. Koma, and Gon. Many moons ago, a teacher of music lived not far from Kyoto. A faithful serving woman and a beautiful cat were his sole companions. Gon was a handsome fellow, with sleek coat, bushy tail, and grass green eyes that glowed in the darkness. His master loved him, and would say as the cat purred by his side in the evening, Nothing shall part us, old friend. Umi was a happy maiden, whose home lay in the midst of the plum groves. Her chief pet was a little cat, Koma, who had very winning ways, her mistress delighted to watch her. She blinked so prettily, she ate so daintily, she licked her rose-red nose so carefully with her tiny tongue that Umi would catch her up and say fondly, Koma, Koma, you are a good cat. I am sure your ancestors shed tears when our Lord Buddha died. You shall never leave me. It happened that Gon and Koma met, and fell deeply in love with one another. Gon was so handsome that any of the cats in the district would gladly have been his mate, but he did not deign to notice one of them. When he saw the little maid, Koma, his heart beat quickly. The cats were in great distress, For neither the music master nor Oume would hear of parting with their pet. Gon's master would willingly have taken Koma to live with him. But Oume would not hear of this, nor were Koma's entreaties more successful. It was the seventh night of the seventh moon, the night sacred to lovers in the land of great peace. When Kingen crosses the silver river of heaven and Shakujo joyfully embraces him, Gon and Koma left their homes and fled together. It was a moonbright night, and the cats were light of heart as they scampered through the fields of rice and across the great open plains. When day broke, they were near a palace which stood in a large park, full of stately old trees and ponds, covered in full lotus blooms. When Koma said, If only we could live in that place, how glorious it would be! As she spoke, a fierce dog caught sight of the cats and bounded towards them angrily. Koma gave a cry of terror and sprang up a cherry tree. Gon did not stir and thought, Dear Koma shall see that I am a hero and would rather lose my life than run away. But the dog was powerful and would have killed Gon. He was almost upon the brave cat when a serving man drove him off and carried Gon into the palace. Poor little comma was left alone to lament her loss. The princess who lived in the palace was overjoyed when Gon was brought to her. Many days passed before he was allowed out of her sight. Then he hunted far and near for his fair lover, but all in vain. My comma is lost to me forever, <sighs> he sighed. Now the princess lived in splendor and happiness. She had but one trouble a great snake loved her. At all hours of the day and night, the animal would creep up and try to come near her. A constant guard was kept, but still the serpent, at times succeeding in gaining the door of her chamber, crept in. One afternoon, the princess was playing softly to herself on the koto, when the snake crept unobserved past the guards and entered her room. In a moment, Gon sprang upon its neck and bit it so furiously that the hideous creature soon lay dead. The princess heard the noise and looked around. When she saw that Gon had risked his life for her, she was deeply moved. She stroked him and whispered kind words into his ear. He was praised by the whole household and fed upon the daintiest morsels in the palace. But there was a cloud upon his happiness, the loss of Coma. On a summer day, he lay sunning himself before the door of the palace. Half asleep, he looked out upon the world and dreamed of the moonlight night when he and Koma escaped from their former homes. In the park, a big cat was ill-treating a little one, too fragile to take care of herself. Gon jumped up and flew to her aid. He soon drove the cruel cat away. Then he turned towards the little one to ask if she was hurt. Koma his long-lost love stood before him. Not the sleek, beautiful Koma of other days, for she was thin and sad, but her eyes sparkled when she saw that Gon was her deliverer. The two cats went to the princess. They told her the story of their love, their flight, their separation, and their reunion. She entered wholeheartedly into the newfound joy. On the seventeenth night of the seventh moon, Gon and Koma were married, The princess watched over them, and they were happy. Many years passed. One day, she found them caught up together. Their two faithful hearts had ceased to beat. I hope you enjoyed today's Tales, mates. These Japanese tales are super dramatic. You have death, love, honor, loyalty, sacrifice, and elemental gods jam-packed with drama in just... Four tiny stories. Yikes. They make their word count count. Did you have a favorite? Mine would be Nedzumi, The Grand Sun. The Cheeky Cloud. An Ominous Wind and Simple Yet Strong War. With a clever moral at the end. What you're looking for has been right in front of you the whole time. Also, the Nedzumi story had this strange Wizard of Oz vibe to it. Can't quite put my finger on it though. Well, hope you enjoyed today's stories, mates, and a big thank you for listening. Have a great day or relaxing night. Nothing like a lovely ill great to chill the nerves. And folks, see you this Friday for another Japanese tale. But a different variety, I think. Till next, we meet.